Hello, listeners. In this episode of Reader Watch, a audio phase podcast, my co-host and published author Joshua Wold and I compare the book Area X to its movie adaptation, Annihilation. Is the book always better than the movie? Come join us as we find out. And as a warning to our listeners, this episode does contain spoilers. Now let's get started. So, Caleb, tell me, why did this movie make you cry? So, reading the book the first time, I it was one of those things where... Oh, you're serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, please continue. I didn't know it actually made you cry. Please go ahead. Okay, so reading, starting to read the book the first time is one of those things where I got so frustrated reading the book, not knowing what was going to happen or the, the way that they were telling the story. It was one of those things like I wanted to put the book down, but then I would constantly come back to it because I wanted to know what was going on. So it was very frustrating. And the same thing happened when I went to the theater <laughs> and started to watch the movie. I was by myself and uh, that's really not an important detail, but <laughs> it's very well, uh, common. I, I will just butt in here. I went to the theater with my wife to watch this movie, and she has not let it down for the last year that she basically despised the movie. So I went with someone, and she was heavily disappointed. But I'll, I'll share my own thoughts shortly. Yeah. So it was, but so what I was going to say is, it was pretty much the same experience for me watching the movie. I felt the exact same things were. I wanted to just walk out because I was getting frustrated with the movie. It was going super slow. But at the same time, I wanted to see what was going to happen. And we'll get into it in a moment here, but I'm curious, reading it the second time, what did it feel like? Since you probably remembered the ending or some part of the movie. It was a lot better listening to it the second time. Even watching the movie the second time was a lot more entertaining. I even watched it with my girlfriend the second time, and she actually gave it like an 8 out of 10. So So she enjoyed it. I wasn't alone that time. (laughs) Things have changed. All right, so the conversation is there's a book, Annihilation, Hmm. and there's a movie, Annihilation, and our goal is to kind of talk about our experience reading them and watching the movies. So let's go ahead and jump through the major sections of this book chapter by chapter. There's only five chapters, so we'll spend as much time as we want in each. And I want you to feel free to just share random thoughts throughout and I'll do the same. The first is initiation. It starts with this tower that a group of women, scientists, not all scientists, but some are walking through and they see this tower. How did the beginning of the book feel to you when you were first opening up those scenes? You kind of described that feeling in the beginning. It uh, it starts off a lot more interestingly than the movie did, actually. Um, it jumps in there, actually in the Shimmer already, which mm-hmm. is what it's called, the Shimmer. It was, it was nice that they jumped into mm-hmm. the action, so to speak, from the very beginning. And then as you're going through the book from that point forward, they sprinkle in some backstory. Versus I was starting to watch the movie again, and I realized it's going to be a while till we got to that point, yeah. which I was finding, well, I just want to see those parts again to help jog my memory. And I was a little frustrated with that. Yeah. So that is interesting because the movie opens up with her being interrogated, Lena, or Lena, Lena being interrogated. I actually, I always knew her as a biologist because in the book, it doesn't say her name. So that's why I'm really excited that you just watched the movie. Because um, uh, the fact that you have a name means you're thinking a little bit more about the movie more recently. Yeah, so 
it opens up with her being interrogated and then it jumps to us seeing an asteroid or something flying through space mm-hmm. towards earth on fire and then it crashes through the lighthouse from that point it cuts directly to us seeing two cell or a cell dividing and then it's her lecture and her her whole lecture saying this is a cell mm-hmm. um and then it kind of goes on and talks about it and then at the end of that lecture she says this is a tumor cell mm-hmm. which is very interesting as a cancer but yes yeah. um Something I noticed is the movie used part of the second book to start out the story. Yeah, I, I was just wondering about that. Started reading the second book, and I'm like, oh, that's where they're pulling some of these scenes yeah. from. Um, you had mentioned that as a film uh, person, as someone who's been a director, you had a perspective on how the director made the movie based on the book. You want to share that? Um, what you had said. Uh, basically about how he only saw it one time or only read it one time. Yeah. So yeah, the director is Alex Garland. He actually directed uh, Ex Machina, which is very another very interesting. That makes sense. We yeah. should talk about that one soon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Alex Garland, according to the story that I, I've heard, is that he read the book once and then went to write a screenplay based on what he remembered reading. It is definitely an interesting take mm-hmm. um, because... The, mo- the biggest gripe that people have when a book gets converted into a movie is how it doesn't stay true to the book. So when you take a book, read it, and want to make a movie about it, and then just completely throw the book out, you're off to a great start. <laughs> so that, I, I've been trying to figure out, we talked about this earlier, if I agree with that or not. Mm-hmm. And with Annihilation... It reminded me a little bit, well, we'll probably talk about this at some point, of World War Z. Mm. I love the book, and I actually like the movie. Yeah. Because if you just decide the title has nothing to do with the original book, you're going to have a good time watching Brad Pitt on screen. It's fine. Yeah. So from that perspective, I think the movie does a good job. I found myself, and we'll get to this, I found myself disappointed with the ending because I was expecting something from the book yeah. that was not there. A lot of the rest... If I know I'm on a different journey, it's fine. Yeah, and that was the thing because there was a lot of things that I read in the book that I was kind of looking forward to seeing how yes. they expressed and or showed in the in the movie. And then as I started to realize that I'm not getting any of this, it's like, all right, what am I getting? Yep. And then I started paying attention and saying, like, oh, okay, this is this is interesting. And like you said, it was even if it isn't a, a true representation of what the book was, it's still a. Um, or word for word, it is still an interesting story based in that universe and on that topic. And I, I want to give the actress credit, Natalie Portman. In the book, you have this view of the author. Mm-hmm. You understand what the biologist is thinking. And it's the actress's job to be able to pull that into the screen. And I think she did a good job with yeah. doing that. Yeah, especially from a book that is um, told almost completely from first person. Yes, that is something as a director that is very hard to do visually mm-hmm. is how do you express all these things that are being talked about in someone's mind first person when the best you can do is second person or third person in a, in a film. And I, I was starting to read the second book and I realized it switches things a little bit, but the mm-hmm. first one is basically based on her journal, yeah. which is why it's first person. It's, yeah. it's a clever little writing technique for a book, but not for a movie. Yeah. All right. Second section is integration where uh, the main points are they decide that there's a tower, they go into it the first time, they 
something happens to the biologist with the tower and there's multiple people. Let's actually, let's just start with that. Um, what did you have any sense of things or any feeling when she first got those spores into her nose from getting too close to the tower? Do you remember that? Yeah. And so it's, you know, when something like that happens, you're curious, like, what is going to be the result of this? How quickly is it going to happen? Watching movies like World War Z or mm. any other film where it has to do with spores, you're like, oh, no. Well, and we both read The Girl with All the Gifts, which right. we'll talk about. So yeah. you might have been wondering about that. <laughs> yes, it's true. So stepping back a little bit, a very key tool that the book uses very early on is from the psychologist using hypnotism on everyone even just mm. entering into the shimmer and they know it's going to happen right so they're um hypnotized to enter into it for some purpose of of either not letting them go crazier or whatever it is um and then she after is exposed to the spores realizes that she has no longer affected by the hypnotism Mm. It is now a, a viewing party to an actual hypnotism case of seeing how the others are actually being controlled by it. Which, by the way, that is a very good storytelling technique. Right. Um, both of us are interested in how stories are told, how they're mm. done well. To be able to switch that off, it means that the um, protagonist now has a view of the world that the others are not a party to yet. Yeah. And so she starts acting like she's still hypnotized when certain events happen. Yeah. And again, that is one thing that is uh, one key thing for the book story that is left out of the movie hypnotism is not a part of oh. of the movie at any point it's never used i had forgotten that because I, I didn't get to rewatch it the second time so no. just the first part of it so they get into the tower um the psychologist stays outside the first time or does the psychologist go the first i think she stays outside she stays the, first out time. the second time yeah. first um, time and they go in she gets the spores inside of her nose and they keep looking around a little bit and then they go back to camp mm-hmm. for the night. In the middle of the night, we find out later, the psychologist who's leading the party, hypnotizing people, takes the anthropologist down to the tower and does something with her mm-hmm. that we, the next morning we find out. So Unbeknownst to everyone else in the group. Unbeknownst yeah. to everyone else. So they get into the tower. It's the surveyor and the biologist. Is it? I'm trying to remember, is it because they couldn't find the psychologist? Why did they go down there? No, she was at the top. She kind of forced them down there. Yeah, she... With hypnosis. With hypnosis, kind of... Well, yeah. Um, It was basically saying there's no need for all of us to go down there and just in case something happens. And then at that moment, they started to push back and then she used the hypnosis word. Yeah. The biologist pretended to go along with it. Recognize it, yeah. So they get in there and the biologist has seen the tower differently than the surveyor because she's been affected by the spores there's kind of a little bit of back and forth between them. Yeah. And then they get further down. And I actually, there's a term, I don't remember the exact thing, but this book is in kind of this new weird genre hmm. that Jeff uh, Vandermeer is known for. He's kind of spearheaded it, where as you described earlier, you don't know what you're getting into with this book. It's just going in crazy weird directions. Hmm. So we have these writings on the wall that are made out of plant life. Mm-hmm. and the biologist sees that for the first time. What, and I, I, I'll see if I can pull up the writing, what did you think about that? It sounds like Bible verses almost. Yeah, I mean, it's a very foreboding warning for anyone 
coming in. It's almost something you'd find in some ancient tomb is like, beware to he who enters lest ye die kind of a, kind of a thing. Um, while you're, you're finding yeah. that quote, another thing that is missing from the movie is the tower itself, which plays a huge role in How does the book. that work? Like I, it yeah. seems like the, and even this writing nowhere to be found in the movie None of this is... Is it on the corpse even? That one corpse they find in the movie? Or no? Um, no. It's just uh, basically what happens is once they get to the point in the movie where they actually enter the shimmer, they enter and then it cuts to the biologist waking up and everyone is awake. They had apparently made a campsite and it's revealed that three days is, has passed and no one has any recollection of, of that time of setting up a camp or anything like that. And so they kind of set up that the, that point, that time acts differently within the Shimmer, which is an interesting thing for them to set up because it's never brought back or talked about or used as a tool in, at any other point in the in the film. And in the book, it's only used as a tool in the second or third book when mm-hmm. it shows that time has it's taken hundreds of years yeah. versus it's only been a couple of years on the other side. Mm-hmm. So that is interesting. Why do they not come back around to that? Yeah. Kind of like how time works around black holes for like yes, an, and there's interstellar and things. There's some aspect of that. So I don't, I couldn't find it, but it's like mm-hmm. herein lies the strangled fruit. Those are the words. They just yeah. keep going on, and it sounds like something prophetic. And we find out later that something about Area X or the Shimmer does a weird copy of everything it encounters. Mm-hmm. So that text could be a foreboding warning, or it could be just. Something weird that something was writing. Well, and the the fact that they're using that as a as a uh, foreboding warning to the reader, mm. the movie does a similar thing in the very beginning. I guess if you're paying attention for whenever she says, because she says it very interestingly, as I mentioned in the very the second scene of the the movie is um, she's giving her a little presentation mm-hmm. to the students. To the class, says, yeah. This is a cell. This is a tumor. It's a very interesting. She it's very poignant in how she says it. It's almost telling the audience what it is without actually directly saying what you're about to experience is this is a tumor on the world and it's okay. going to affect you. So that was a good decision you think for the director to kind yeah. of put something like that in. Cuz they start off they actually there is a little snippet right between those two scenes of the asteroid hitting and then her presentation of you see this liquid or fluid or could be atoms like yep. moving around and then it cuts to the scene of actually two of a cell a real cell dividing and then that image of cells dividing is used throughout the film i had forgotten that part okay um immolation is the next chapter where um the biologist travels to the lighthouse and one thing all everyone who travels to the lighthouse are the journals in the movie no. Okay. <laughs> so everyone who travels to Area X, this they're the twelfth expedition. They're supposed to be writing in a journal, mm. and so there's twelve expeditions, which um, we are reading her journal, where she describes that. Yeah. Yes, and um, if there's twelve expeditions, by by now they only allow like women on one, men on another. They're mm. just trying out different things because most people come back from these expeditions dead or changed or cancerous or whatever. Yeah. So there's all these journals and. She finds in the lighthouse a pile of journals 12 feet high. Mm-hmm. And 
which would insinuate that that's way more than 12 expeditions. Sure. Um, do you remember the journals from when you read the book? I do. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on those journals then? Um, not really. <laughs> do you have anything <laughs> to answer your question? I remember that there were journals. <laughs> I was reading it, listening to it at two times speeds. So I really didn't catch much. So, um, when I first read this book, I think I told you about this last year, which might have been why you started reading it. Mm. There's a scene in the beginning where they see two dolphins come out of the water. Yeah. And the biologist sees the dolphin look at her with a human eye. Yeah. And I'm laying in my bed at night, all alone in the dark room. <laughs> and I think my wife like walked in the room right then. Oh, yeah. And I freaked out. <laughs> <clears throat> so something this, this book does multiple times is it gets you a little bit creeped out, even though it's not horror. Mm-hmm. There's several scenes in there that were very, that definitely mess with you. And even, even further on in the book, you have, I don't remember if it's before they get to the tower or not, or after they encounter the boar. Uh, actually, the woods. that is before, so describe that. Yeah, I don't exactly remember what they said it was mixed with. Didn't it have? I think it may have had human eyes, just like the dolphin. But the thing, the book pointed out was that it was it looked like it was looking inwards mm. being controlled by something and that it wasn't actually the boar itself wasn't chasing them to attack them something what seemed to be controlling it to do so just the idea of a boar with human eyes looking at me yeah or dolphins that just yeah oh, so and what's interesting at this point is that people who are with them one of the, the ladies actually the book makes a point of saying drops down on one knee and it says that she is without fear is able to focus in on the boar and like tries to shoot at it that was somebody else other than the biologist who did that in the movie it was the biologist it's the biologist who drops down on one knee so why did you think that detail of her dropping down and not dropping down was it was an interesting point for the director to give that direction to the main character okay because that it showed character on her part yep uh, as being somebody all right this is the main character not somebody else doing something quote unquote heroic, kneeling down, siding up as something's like running towards you. Normally you wouldn't drop down on one knee. And then that's when they discover the multiple rows of teeth. And again, pushing the point that these creatures are changing or evolving in an incredible way. Stepping back a little bit further as, as they're going into this, the first base, she sees this huge moldy growth on the side of this building and she says it looks like a tumor hmm. which again is a callback to what she said this is a tumor talking about this the the cell that they were looking at so this kind of reminds me like why we're interested in even talking about this because i've just come off reading the book as well as you did um and in there the narration from the author the protagonist is limited and deceptive. Multiple mm-hmm. times she says, I've, I haven't told you the whole truth. Yeah. And that limited perspective helps you to really be drawn in and intrigued in the story, even though maybe it's a little bit more bland than the movie. Mm-hmm. The movie has some powerful visuals like what you just described that's not in the book. Yeah. But it pull, keeps the movie going, I would imagine. In its own way, yeah. Yes. For sure. So it's an example of why both mediums work well for different things yeah because if you just translated the book exactly as is we'd all be bored probably yeah and you know honestly i think 
to play the devil's advocate to that point, which is a very valid point. I think if you cut out all of the first person talking that she does in the book and just focused on what actually happened, exploring the tower, seeing the mm-hmm. writing on the wall, coming out, you know, all that stuff, it could still be very interesting. Yeah. But it's interesting that the things that they consolidated together, I think maybe they can bind the tower and the lighthouse together. It does seem like to the a degree. Movie does that. Not necessarily exploring what was revealed in the tower so much in the lighthouse because you don't even get to the lighthouse until like the last 10 minutes of the movie. Yep. Um, which you get to the lighthouse maybe in the second chapter or second we, or third section of the film. We have, it's the actually book. third, third section, of, third the book. section yep. of the book. Three out of five. Um, there's something that I will just touch on now. Um, the bear uh, is one of the more terrifying things I've seen on film. I was going to say the bear is the best part of, of Annihilation the same way the bear in The Revenant is the best part of should have won the Oscar. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, just to describe this, they're in a room. It's late at night. It's dark. And they hear something coming up the stairs. Had it gotten anyone to that point yet? Before, yeah. Um, there is one thing before I get to the bear. I okay. wanted to make All a right, point. Go ahead. Is um, she's actually looking at, she looks at um, a sample of her own blood mm. in under a microscope. And what was very interesting, and it's just going back to the theme of the film, is that she sees her cells divide. One divides, it looks normal, and the other one divides, and it has a shimmery effect to it. Mm. So half of her cell, after it divides, is a shimmer. Half of it is human. And in the book, when she tries looking at cells, they look completely normal, but she has this weird feeling when she's not looking at them that they're not normal. She has this, she calls it like her inner glow or something like that in the book. Yes, that's right. That That's something that happens as well. Okay, go ahead. So that after she discovers that, um, she goes out for a walk and finds the psychologist on her watch. During that time, another one of the group wakes up, hears some commotion happening, and um, goes out and sees what's going on. And all of a sudden, while the biologist and psychologist are talking, she just kind of gets ripped out of the watchtower by this creature Mm -hmm. and runs off and they're all like freaking out trying to chase it can't find it the next morning they go out and eventually find her and she's dead that's their first encounter of this creature Mm -hmm. second encounter and this is after they've discovered the the tree people or the plant people i want to talk about that because in the book there's a scene i it's only the second time through that i realized it was describing there were plants shaped like humans, but it's not very obvious. Yeah. When I saw it in the movie, it just hits you really hard. Yeah. Because you realize there's these these bodies, like human bodies made out of vines, just trying to walk in a certain direction. Yeah. And thinking on it later, I, I was thinking about it since reading it. I think it's supposed to mean that this the Area X copied human DNA and made plants, not that humans turned into plants. That's... That was my creepy. initial thought as well. Yeah, watching it the second time, the I'm I'm gonna I'm I think she's a biologist, um, mm-hmm. the one who actually talks about sees the plants the for, for the first time and is talking about it, and she's like, "Do you like recognize talking to the biologist? Like, what's going on here? It's like this looks like human hox genes, which lo- researching what human hox genes is is basically the genes that um determine the human structure mm. where the our shoulders start 
to the arms, to the hip ratio and legs and waist and head and all that stuff. And she's like, I bet if you look at the DNA of these plants, you'd see human hox genes. Wow. What really kind of changed my mind is later on in the film, I think after what happens that night in the house with the bear, which we'll come back to, she is starting to, um, she's looking at her arms. The biologist comes out and starts talking to her and she, the camera looks down at her arms and she's got vines and mm. plants starting to grow out of her, her skin. Um, so it makes you think it could have been that. And then she like walks off and the biologist chases after her. Oh, that's right. She I walks around that. a tree. The biologist, you know, out of view, the biologist follows her. She's gone. But the biologist is, is met with a field of human plants, basically. Okay. That's probably what that was supposed to be then. So it seems like either. And what's interesting is, is in the, in the film, the shimmer, human biology and all of stuff, they, they're not interacted or changed or affected in a constant and similar way. Mm-hmm. She turns into a plant. Um, others are um, kind of changed completely from the inside out. Others are absorbed in, in from the, the shimmer. So it's, it's not consistent. Yeah. So it's very possible that, you know, plants are mixed with human hox genes and actually grow that way. But it's also, I think, at the same time, just as possible that humans from that town, because it is in a town, yep. turned, same thing happened to them, that they turned into plants. Uh, which, so, yeah, go ahead. So getting back to what happened that night is so after discovering the whole plant thing, the biologist is woken up by one of the other members from the team with a gun in her face mm-hmm. and saying, um, like why did you lie to us or like tell us the truth or whatever? And she's completely confused. She's forced up and tied to a chair and and it's revealed that the psychologist and the um, biologist and the, um, the other girl anthropologist are are all tied together in chairs. Oh, okay. And she's, she has the gun and she's, you know, complaining about, you know, how she was lied and reveals to the group who her husband was. Mm. He was the one that who first came into the thing and like because they had wanted to go back after the girl was attacked the first time by the bear. They wanted to turn around and leave. And just like the best place, the, the biologist is telling the group the best way out of here is actually to keep going forward. Yep. And it's revealed that, yeah, she was lying. And the girl discovered that the only reason she was lying to them is because, you know, she wanted to discover how to um, potentially save her husband. Which in the book, her husband's already long dead. Right. That's a good device for the movie. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so as they're doing this whole interrogation thing, all of a sudden they hear the scream of the girl who got first attacked by the bear outside of the house. Mm -hmm. The girl with the gun is beside herself, screams like, oh my gosh, she's alive. She runs out of the house. We're still focused on the three in the chairs. And we just hear... Her like, oh, like, where are you? Is it, is it? And then all of a sudden we just hear like this human bear growl attack. And then she's just silent. We're still inside the house. We're just listening to this. And we're looking, I think, at the three people, right? We're looking past them towards the entrance to the house in the background. And all of a sudden we just. The stairwell, right? Well, the front door leads up to the stairwell. Okay. Yep. We see the head of a bear's shadow cast on the walls. It slowly enters the room and it's revealed as it rounds the corner that it's like 
half skull, half like it's like its flesh has been eaten away, and you can see this bear skull, which I thought it was the boar the first time I saw it. Yeah, that they kind of like pushed it back into. The, yes, but no, it's a bear yeah. with the skull eaten away. Yeah, and when it opens its mouth, it's a girl scream slash bear growl. Yeah, it's just like this he- weird, terrifying amalgamation of human like, voice. If you can make a bear creature. about to attack someone more terrifying, the audiences are obviously terrified because all three of them are tied to a chair with no way of being able to. Yep. To to defend themselves and it's like slowly like walking around the room and it goes to the third girl at the end and looks like it like bites into her shoulder but then the girl who we who went outside for the first time comes back comes back in apparently wasn't dead but just maybe wounded and just like shoots at the bear gets its attention and just runs past them finishes finishes her off so that was um an example of where i think the movie did an excellent job i'm glad it was in the movie yeah um Added a lot of tension. All right, let's jump then to the... This is turning a little bit more into, and I like it, of let's talk about the movie and then the book's kind of a reference, which for many people, it's going to be more about the movie than the book, probably. Sure. For yeah. us, we're interested in both of them. That's that's perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, let's they go to the lighthouse. When she first journeys to the lighthouse... She's trying to find the psychologist. She found those journals, as we mentioned. And then she finds the psychologist outside of the lighthouse, um, partially dead. Mm-hmm. And when she walks up to the psychologist, the psychologist um, tells her the word annihilation, mm-hmm. which was supposed to be the hypnotized word for um, basically suicide. Yeah. Any of the hypnotized people should commit suicide. And then the psychologist, after saying that word, she falls, like she goes unconscious. She wakes back up and she's like, you're still here. I thought I killed you. Hmm. And what happened is from the beginning when the biologist got in her nose, the spores, she had started to glow. This thing had started to take over her. Yeah. And so that's that emanation is what the um, psychologist saw. But the movie's not like that. Not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> and that was probably my biggest disappointment because I had an expectation about what I was going to get at the lighthouse. Yeah. Because Lighthouse and the Tower are such large parts of the book. Yeah. Um, so the lighthouse is the last scene in the movie, right? Yeah. Well, so, yeah, second to last scene. So let's hold off on that for a second. Um, when in, in the book, when she leaves, finally, she talks to the psychologist, learns some cool stuff. Go read the book. It's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> she has so much we're not covering. Yes. Um, she, she heads back to the camp, the biologist, and meets the surveyor who she had left at camp. Yep. The surveyor shoots her, and this part I shoots at. Well, yeah, I guess she, she does. The first make, time she gets yeah, her, and true. this part I, I it's a little morbid, but I love this part about the book because what happens is when she gets shot, um, it's, it's it basically protects her from being taken over by Area X, the shine inside of her, yeah, the shine inside of her because it's having to focus on healing the damage. It's a little Deadpool esque kind mm, of, yeah, and that's the only reason she's not completely taken over. At, versus everyone else in area X at some point gets taken over. Mm. But she learns that if she constantly is able to be hurt, that will, it's almost like distracting the shine from. Yes. And the second book I believe goes into that more. Mm. That's been a while since I read that. Yeah. So, um, she takes out the surveyor. She kind of wins that. And then she enters the tower where the big climax, of the book happens. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the ending of the movie first though. Okay. It's 
a as much as the end of the movie was a disappointment in the fact that it didn't really wrap up a whole lot for us, mm-hmm. at least straightforward. If you're expecting something different. If you're expecting something different, you're totally blindsided by the ending. Um, it's one of like Inception. You really have to be paying attention for any of it to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just the biologist and this girl. She's gone now. Now it's just the biologist and she's alone. She is going forward towards the lighthouse. There are like crystalline trees, which it seemed like in the in this shot where the asteroid or whatever it is hits the lighthouse the first time it shows the beach. There's yeah. none of that there. Yep. So it's almost like it was created by the shimmers like as being like area X point of origin. Yep. Growing out from there, it kind of created its own thing and then slowly started, started taking over everything else. Yep. Um, whether that's the case or not, she enters into the lighthouse and to one side is a skeleton with burn marks around it. And in front of that is another camera. That's where the camera On a tripod. Was. Opens it up and it's revealed that it's her husband. And so we assume that it's her husband's body that's against the wall. Yep. Which, interestingly enough, and towards the beginning of the film, it's alluded to after she comes out of that whole presentation to the students about cells and tumors and all that stuff. Gets to the house. She's starting to paint. And it's realized, it's revealed that it's her husband is gone. We assume he's dead. And as she's painting the room, it cuts downstairs and we see this figure step into camera and go upstairs. And then she turns around and it's her husband alive. And she like an emotional breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's been missing thing. for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was her husband. She thought she she thought was she thought was her husband, which is th- that follows the book. And she's talking to him. Yeah, there is there is some flashbacks that mm-hmm. are very similar. Um, she's talking with her husband. He's acting very weird, very distant, not who she knows him to be. And then he says something. He's like, I'm not feeling good. And then starts like bleed out of his nose. Mm-hmm. Cuts to him being rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. Blood is everywhere. And then um, black SUVs pull the ambulance over and um, take it, take him out. She's unconscious and then wakes up into the facility and that's whenever that starts of her being um inside uh, the southern reach which is much more um intense than the book the book's pretty chill about all that yeah that's that kind of like it's alluded to him living a little bit longer before he starts getting sick um and then the way the whole way that he gets taken by the facility happens differently mm-hmm. so it's all like crunched down which i'm yep. fine with that yep so that's where we leave her husband so at this point, she thinks her husband is back at the Southern Reach, and she's in the shimmer for reasons of discovering a cure potentially for her husband. Mm-hmm. Now she's watching this video, and her husband steps into frame, does this whole talk to his wife, and she's like, "The voices in my head are like, it's I'm it's I'm going crazy. I can't I can't take it. I can't take it." He sits down to the same spot the skeletons in. He says, "Are you familiar with a?" a uh, sulfur bomb or sulfur grenade and he pulls the pen and he's like tell my wife I, if you find uh, Lena tell her I love her and the voice a voice behind the camera says I will he counts down bomb goes off he's in flames so we see her husband 
on camera, go up Die. in flames, and then we see him in the background as skeleton. So we know the real husband is dead. Seconds later, her El Senoro. What looks like to be her husband walks into camera from behind. Did he just look at the camera? I believe he just looks at the camera. Okay. And then it kind of cuts and she's so like that establishes freaking out. Which the book establishes I think toward the end as well. That the Southern that Area X makes copies of things, yeah, and sends them back out into the real world. Mm-hmm. So this is a copy of her husband made, um, which also this is a major plot point of the second and third book, which is what happens when the copy decides to. I'm trying to remember, like the copy decides to like take on her own identity mm. and goes and finds the original. Mm. So that was the, the, I'm just as I'm starting to read the second book, I'm like, oh yeah, that was all in here. Mm. So. Um, because yeah, in the, the biologist who comes back is not the same biologist. That, that was like the whole point of the book. That's what's, yeah. Yeah. So she then goes down to this tunnel in the lighthouse. There was like a hole in the wall and she could crawls down there, the biologist. Yep. And what happened next? I don't so remember that part as well. As soon as she, uh, gets done watching it, she crawls into the hole and she sees the psychologist sitting there. Mm. And another reference to the book is at one point in the book, um, I don't remember if it was in the lighthouse or in the tunnel. I believe it was in the tunnel. One of the figures who's down there with her at one point, like, turns around and faces her. And it looks like their features are, like, some features are missing. Mm. I don't know if you remember that. No, I don't, in actually. The book. So, in the movie, she goes down there. The camera is in front of her. And we see the psychologist in the foreground. Kind of in shadow, but it, we can tell like features are missing. Like her eyes are missing. Part of her nose is kind of like oh, not wow. fully mm-hmm. there. Super kind of creepy. And then she's kind of talking and like the, she's like, it's inside of me. She, again, she's, she says annihilation. She turns around to face the bo- the biologist and all of her features are back again. Mm. Kind of weird. And then all of a sudden this, she starts like throwing up this shimmer, phosphorescent like completely off from the book yeah it's throwing all of us up and then it's kind of like swirling around everywhere super like beautiful visuals very disturbing at the same time and just and then it it burns up and becomes a part of the whole shimmer thing the music is amazing oh yeah in the movie yeah like it's a beautiful score the entire score uh, i just was listening to the trailer again. It's really well done. It pulls you in and it has that very intense feeling Mm. that the scene you're describing has. Yeah. So that happens. And then it becomes this shifting. Looks like a little alien mass and it's hollow on the inside and it's like pulsating. And it's almost looks like those kaleidoscopes that you would look at Mm. when you were a kid. Very mesmerizing. And she's coming towards it and looks in, in it and it's kind of like pulling her in. She gets closer and closer and closer and closer and almost like gravity. It pulls like droplets of blood from like her eye or, or like a wound on her face and it goes inside and it instantly those cells start to divide. The more it divides, it kind of looks like this weird thing and then it becomes uh, this form. And so the whole the whole pulsating shimmer becomes this this form, and it's come almost like a if a tars if a an oil slick became a solid mm. and took human form. The way the light hits it and all the bright colors on yeah. it and everything. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of like this. It it's it takes no like it has the basic human form, no facial features or anything like that. 
So th- there gets a point in here where this scene and Battle of the Bastards with Jon Snow about to be suffocated, <laughs> they feel the same uh. in that you are wondering, like you're almost holding your breath in the scene. It's so intense with what happens to her. It's like, how is this going to re Like, is this yes. an alien creature? Is it aggressive? Is it not? Whatever. She gets out of the hole back into the lighthouse and it's already there waiting for her. She's moving around, realizes it's mirroring her, and then she kind of goes and grabs the camera tripod and hits it. Mm-hmm. And then because it's mirroring her, it takes the hit and then punches her. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, but it was with the point was made that it wasn't being aggressive. It, it only attacked her because she it just attacked copied it her. first. Yeah. Yep. It had just happened to hurt her. <laughs> yeah. So she's on the ground unconscious. She wakes up. And it's like laying next to her. Oh, so creepy. It's like taking the same fetal position on the ground next to her. And she wakes up and then it, it gets up and follows her motions again. And she starts to run towards the door. And it chases after her. And it's she's pressed against the door and it's pressed against her against the door. And because of that pressure, she passes out again she (laughs) She does a lot of passing out (laughs) by the way that's a little movie trope right like just get your character to pass out and you can cut to the next right yeah so she makes her way over to um where her husband had been burnt up by the the grenade grabs another one and she pulls the pen hands it to it and as their hands make contact it starts to originate from her hand where they make contact throughout her body, it starts to take on her actual features and appearance. Mm. So skin forms, her clothing kind of forms on it. It gets up to her face. And it's almost like you so you took a picture of somebody's face and then just kind of <laughs> smeared it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the features aren't quite there. Um, it's like that for a little bit. And then it actually becomes a perfect replication of mm. her. And then she just runs and leaves. And as, as she's leaving... The door is closing to the lighthouse and you can see through the gap that the human features are starting to morph back into its original mm-hmm. oily. While looking, holding the grenade. While holding the grenade. Yeah. As soon as it closes, the whole thing explodes. It's on fire. And what's interesting is it drops the grenade that's on fire in its hands because it replicates things in this narrative. It's trying to replicate fire. It's never encountered fire before. Mm. And so it walks over to the skull that's on the ground, touches it, and it goes up. And then it stumbles into the wall and there's vines growing everywhere. And those vines start to catch on fire and the whole eventually the whole lighthouse is up in flames. And then it crawls back into the tunnel, back to where it started and like collapses there. And then just it cuts back to the whole lighthouse being on fire. The crystalline trees outside start to just turn to amber and disappear. And it cuts back out to the entrance to the Shimmer where the southern, the new Southern Reach station is. And the bubble Shimmer thing is no longer there. Which that kind of cuts to the third book where it describes that. Well, that, that's quite different. Um, well, not Maybe not so much whether you liked it or not, but coming away from that, how did you feel about it? It's interesting because we don't really know why this creature is here. Mm-hmm. And it's constantly said, we don't know what it wants. Yeah. Like, it, it's not aggressive. It just wants to change things. It's kind of like taking over or not necessarily annihilate everything. It just wants to change everything. No obvious purpose. Yeah. yeah. Which is an interesting thing to have 
a main creature, terrifying creature like that, not to have a purpose. The fact that it doesn't want anything or whatnot is almost terrifying in and of itself because it can do anything it wants to. So here's where I love what the book and the movie both did. In the movie, it in the book, it ends with her going down to the tower mm-hmm. to find the crawler. Yeah. She finds the crawler and the way that the author describes it is it's like a thousand lights shimmering, a thousand like um, crystals turning. Mm. There's faces in there. There's body parts in there. It looks like a huge slug, but it's not. Mm. It trails and leaves like f- decaying like body, human body parts, all the stuff. So I imagine this big slug like creature with a human arm and, and face in it. And she realizes the original lighthouse keeper is in there, still mm. trapped in that body. Oh, yeah. So what this slug, like the crawler, when it finds her, it actually copies her mm. or it, it tries to copy her. Right. I, I'm, that's what I'm trying to remember. Like it goes over her. It, it, it like scans or, her. I think it recognizes that it's already has an effect on her because of the light that's in her already. Because it's, it's like, course. you're already done. I don't need to do anything to you. And that was that intense scene where she was that, that intense scene where she was being scanned by the crawler was kind of like the scene where this, this alien thing is copying her. Yeah. Um, and so that the movie kind of ends, the book kind of ends with the crawler looking at her, her being scanned by, and then her getting away. Mm-hmm. And then she says toward the end of the book that she is headed off further into the Southern reach. Um, I think like, don't come f- looking for me. You will never find me. Mm-hmm. And she just disappears. And that's where I think the second and third books pick up. What I found interesting is when I finished the first book. So I, that's how the first book ends. That's how the first book basically ends. Okay. I found that I had to read the second book because I was trying to figure out what happened to her. Yeah. And my sense of it, this is about a year later, is by the time I finished the second book, I had to hear the third. I, I told you this at mm-hmm. the time. I had to figure out what was, I say here because it's audible. <laughs> Audiobooks. <laughs> if you want to watch this podcast, let us know. Yeah. Um, when I get to the third book, I had to find out what happened, but I found myself a little disappointed with all the answers that had been built up for over two books mm. where there's so much to be unanswered. And it, it's almost like by the time the mystery is revealed, you're like, ah, that's not that good. Not as great as I thought it would be. Yeah. But the author did such a great job of keeping my interest up for three books to try to figure out the answer. Yeah. So the ending to the movie is almost a little bit more foreboding and how it ends. Did it feel like it's set up for a new, another movie? I mean, there was potential for, it. I, okay. I think what, this, the movie came out, what? Of 2014. So it's, it's been five years. Oh, wow. A lot longer than yeah. I was thinking. Um, after the lighthouse burns up and instead of going out into the wilderness. 2018. <laughs> okay. So I thought it was last year. Yeah, it was last year. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So instead of going off into the wilderness, like the book says, she is because she's being interviewed by people at the Southern Reach. We know that she comes back. The guy who's interviewing her or interrogating her is like, where is why are you the only one here? She's like, because I had a reason to come back. Mm. What was interesting is voiceover says, you know, after according to the timing of what you're telling us, the lighthouse burning up, the shimmer disappeared and your husband, who was struggling to survive, um, all of his symptoms cleared up and he's doing fine now, mm. which is interesting because 
when she goes in to see him, she's talking to him. She's like, you're not my husband, are you? He's like, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. And he's like, are you Lena? I don't think she answers that question. And it focuses on his eyes. And there's like around the, the iris is like this glowing yep. shimmer to him. It cuts to her side. And her eyes have a shimmering glowing to them as well. Which that's is pretty cool. Which is interesting. Well, I think that means that's the copy that came out. The same way that the creature was maybe trying to replicate her and didn't, which is maybe hearkening back to the book, is that the glob tried to cover her and and replicate her, but realized that it didn't need to because its work was already in, in well, motion. See, that's the thing I was trying to figure out. And this is why my memory is failing me, but I, I thought it did copy her eventually somehow, mm. which is what sent her back in. So that's where it's a mystery. We'll have to look it up. Yeah. I think because she already had the glow going on mm-hmm. from what I remember, it actually didn't take in the book. Okay. Maybe it, it was alluding to the fact that whenever the creature started to replicate her and then she left, it took back its original form. Maybe they were kind of like alluding to that fact. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Maybe whenever her husband was there, it actually made a successful copy of him. And that's what came back out of the shimmer. Yep. And because they were outside of the boundaries of the shimmer, whenever she burned up the lighthouse, maybe they weren't affected. Because it seemed like everything else that was had been affected by the shimmer went back to normal. Mm. Except them. So um, I think we could probably get close to wrapping up here. What... Other than talking about it on this podcast, what was it? What was your overall experience? So, despite what I've said and how frustrated I was at the book and the movie originally, listening to it again a second time, I have to appreciate the genre that the writer was stepping into because it seems to um, step dip into a, a few different genres. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an aggressive, like alien, straight up alien creature. It's not really it's horror. Not, it's not creating necessarily zombies, but there are like spore effects kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, so I would definitely, um, I mean, you, did you enjoy the book the first time you read it? I was completely, I had no idea where I was. I had no idea what was happening the first time I read it. I was completely just overtaken by this book. Yeah. And that's kind of this genre which is you do not know what is going on i ended up reading all of the authors well, almost all the authors other books later mm-hmm. i'm like born strange bird something like that and it's just weird stuff that happens so that i'm like okay this is so weird i want to keep reading mm. the second time i'd forgotten a lot of the details but it, the pieces were clicking in place so much faster and really enjoyed it so the first time complete mystery i cannot put it down because i have to find out the answer the second time I just found myself really enjoying it. Mm. Um, so, And also because I have an interest in that kind of writing style and figuring that out. So you I had, liked it. You had, it was less frustration for you not knowing what was going. It was more intrigue. Yes, the okay. first time. Yep. So for me, it was, mm. it was frustration. But at the same time, intrigue is like, what is going to happen? Like, how is this going to end? And so the, how was it the second time then? It was much better the second time after having seen the movie whether that matters or not. Yeah. It was not similar at all. But going back to listen to it a second time, it was definitely more interesting because you knew it was what was going to happen. Yep. So you could take the time to maybe pay attention to the details. That Yeah, that was something I, I almost feel like the first time I kept pausing because, or like I'd have to think like, 
what is going on here? Yeah. Uh, the second time you're like, oh, okay, the psychologist is doing this for this reason. That makes more sense now. Mm-hmm. This person is a copy. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious then to that's the book. How did you feel about the movie? So having a very similar experience watching the movie the first time as I did listening to the book the first time, watching it a second time, it was it was again the same thing where it it was better the second time around. So I, I've I've had this thing most of my life where I don't well, most of my adult life where I don't watch movies twice. Yeah. And I'm starting to realize there's a value in that. Like some movies are meant to be watched a couple of times. Yeah. And so I, I'm realizing that once the pressure of like uncertainty is taken away, you can enjoy the art and the story maybe a little bit better. Yeah. And so this is, I think, the first time in quite a while that I've read a book twice. Within, yeah. a, within a year, I read the same book twice. And there's an interesting thing to maybe make note of is a film like Inception mm-hmm. that has a very complicated storyline and is a movie that you'd almost have to watch one or two, maybe three times yep. to be able to catch everything and to understand what's going on. What was different is I enjoyed the movie throughout the whole thing. For Inception. For Inception. Got it. So there's something. Well, it's almost like on one level, it's it's good enough to follow that you enjoy what's happening to the main character. You don't get all the deep levels, but yeah. you enjoy the, the top line level. Yeah. So I think that was something that um, maybe initially the movie didn't have for it, mm-hmm. going for it. Um, but going back and watching it the second time, I was able to pick up on this is a cell, this is a tumor, and like recognize what they were trying to do. Yep. I just don't think maybe certain things fully landed. What would you rate this movie if you had to give it a star rating? Um, one out of 7.5. One out of 7.5. Oh, <laughs> no. um, so one out of 10, I would probably give it a, mm, I would say a seven. And would you say the girl with all the gifts was better or worse? I would say it was better. That you think that one was better. Cool. Yeah. All right, that gives me a reference point. Lately, if I see a movie trailer that I re- looks really interesting in the first th- 30 seconds, mm. I will pause <laughs> and I'll go read the book first before I watch anything mm. else. So I have the view of the protagonist in my mind. I have a very vague sense of the theme and then I'll go read the book. Yeah. That's what happened with The Girl with All the Gifts and Annihilation. Mm. Um, and what I've really liked is for some of these movies, it's almost like they get a director who understands how to make a, an interesting film like this, but it's not going to go blockbuster Hollywood and be, you know, $500 million movie. It's a smaller movie with a smaller budget. And I think for the both of us, we're really enjoying those movies. Yeah. And I think despite the detour that the film takes from the book, Mm -hmm. I think the film can, it, it stands on its own feet by Mm -hmm. itself, despite the book. Um, One thing for instance, maybe having watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy or Harry Potter or or any movies like that and then going back and reading the books, mm. they did a good job of getting the whole staying true to the spirit of the film, keeping the same characters, the There's same kind of directions. parallels between them, you, yeah. Yeah, it felt closer than what Annihilation did from the book to the movie. But what the books were able to do is expand that universe mm-hmm. beyond what the movies were able to explore 
And even though there was what, how many, like there's a, how many movies for Lord of the Rings are there? Like there's three for Lord of the Rings. Okay. There's, yep. And then that are all each like three hours long. Yeah. They're quite long. Even though they're like, there's three films there are three hours each. There's nine hours of Lord of the Rings movies that you can watch. There's still so much more that the books have to offer. Oh yeah. There's things you're like, Oh, they left that out. And it doesn't feel like you, maybe you uh, lost anything in watching the films Mm -hmm. versus reading the books. It's just, it gives you even more of an appreciation after reading the books for what was done. So I, I, I will agree with that. And something I've found is my experience recently, I just read the Harry Potter books mm. and watched the movies within the last year. The books were what? amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I waited a while. The, the books were amazing. <laughs> like some of the, you know, more interesting reading I've done from a novel perspective. Yeah. The movies disappointed mm. because they could not have all the world building of the books. But I think what, you need to explain that a little <laughs> bit more for those listening, perhaps. So the, here's what happened. I just came off the books. I start watching the movies and there's so many li- um, areas the movies could not fully dive into. Yeah. There were certain scenes where it didn't explain how a certain character got a certain item to, to perform a certain quest, mm. basically. And so what I decided by like movie well, the first two movies I fell asleep <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> By the third movie, I decided with the, we're on Harry Potter now yeah. um, that I'm just applying visuals in my mind for the story I read in the books that I love. Hmm. And so I I actually will watch some movies kind of for that purpose to say you know uh, if the movies are trying to stay true to the books and they're failing, the books are canon. I love the movies because they're giving me visuals for the books. Yeah, so that was Harry Potter for me. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. And I'm not alone in that thought. I've had lots of people on the okay. internet who <laughs> agreed with me on that. Which is, I think it's very interesting. And what makes this good is that you, we both um, have, in general, similar views on things. Mm-hmm. But I think we, we are coming at them from a different perspective, which you enjoyed reading Annihilation. I had trouble with it. Yep. But at the end of the day, I think we both enjoyed the films at at the end of the day oh yes absolutely we, very, we appreciate the book That's we appreciate we the movies what an hour and a half talking about this yeah so um i think that makes uh makes things interesting so would you recommend the book i would absolutely recommend the book um i would say if you stop at the first book you will not have all your questions answered hmm. but you will have enjoyed the experience yeah the second book adds on to it you start getting half maybe half your questions answered the third book answers all your questions but you realize maybe you didn't want all of them answered hmm. it's kind of like when you watch a magic trick right so maybe stop at the second one and then stop for the second <laughs> oh i couldn't write like, your I, own ending. i just could not stop yeah so uh did you read all three or just the first i have read all three okay yep yep um why did you get to the third book same reason i think so i'm just like i'm not a quitter so <laughs> Just like punishment, that's fine. There is no actual annihilation book, is there? Because technically, there is. There is. It's called the Southern Reach books, or something like Area X Southern Reach. Annihilation is the first book. Okay, they repackaged all three books as a single book. Yeah, so you can go into Audible and find Area X, which has all three books combined into one 26-hour audiobook. One credit. Yep. Well, thank you guys for listening, and uh, look forward to our new podcast.